When Mean Joe Green speaks, one tends to listen. And when Mr. Green had a few reporters around him a couple of months ago at Akershire Stadium before an event celebrating some of the franchise's great players, this was what he had to say regarding Franco Harris. Before Franco, we hadn't done very much. And after Franco, we didn't do much either. But doing Franco, we did a lot. That, right there, in that single statement, the legacy that Mr. Harris left. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Mr. Harris, of course, passed away yesterday and shook not only the football world, not only the sports world, but Americana, really. When you look at the scope of the response from uh, a sitting president, a previous president, so many people from so many uh, levels of stature, from so many walks of life, that it kind of hits you, even if you're a lifer here, like I am, how much uh, not only the individual meant to so many, but also what that generation, the greatest generation of the National Football League meant. Mr. Harris was, at his foundation, a fabulous football player, one who did, as Mr. Green eloquently stated, change the culture of the Steelers, if only because he was the one who got them to winning. Mr. Green deserves all the credit that he's long received as being the greatest of all the Steelers because it was his drafting by Chuck Knoll in 1970 that began to turn the tide as far as talent. But it was Mr. Harris's arrival, and yes, for real, the immaculate reception that altered who the Steelers had been for decades, which was losers, year after year after year, also rants, doormats, whatever label you'd care to attach, they were that. And it takes an extraordinary set of circumstances and an extraordinary group of people to make for a change that's that violent. That's what Mr. Green, followed by Mr. Harris, were able to do, along with, obviously, a whole group of other immensely gifted people. And it wasn't just as if they'd found uh, water's level. They won at a rate that was unprecedented, unprecedented in the sports history. They won with conviction. They won with class. They won with, let's be honest here, I was a child at the time, but they won with intimidation as soon as they got onto the field. They'd win some games, and they'd tell you this themselves, just by showing up. And it was Mr. Harris, more than anyone, and I say this respectful to the rest of them, who was the engine, who was the catalyst, because it was his style, for those of you who recall it, 
It was steady. It was relentless. There wasn't a whole lot of splash to his game. He wasn't going to bury Sanders somebody out of their shoes, nor for that matter was he going to Earl Campbell somebody onto their rear end. He was a straight line, find the hole, hit it with authority, get the yards that I need on this play to get the first down to lead the team eventually to victory kind of running back. Our friends at LGKG, the Newcastle-based law firm, in light of Mr. Harris's passing, to say the following, LGKG would like to extend its condolences to the family of Franco Harris. Franco was not only a great football player, but he was a wonderful man who will be greatly missed by the Pittsburgh community. No one's perfect. Mr. Harris wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm going to guess, unless you've broken a pretty significant trend yourself, that you aren't either. There are very, 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 very few people to have made the impact that Mr. Harris did on so many. One, as a football player, and I'll remind, that's what's foundational here, as a champion, as a four-time champion, as a Super Bowl MVP, as a Rookie of the Year, but also... As a person, and and when I say that regarding Mr. Harris, I mean personally. Uh, I did know the man. I spent time with him. I spent time with his son. And the impressions that were made personally were exactly what I've been hearing from so many of you over the last 24 hours. Uh, That when you'd meet him, that he'd be warm, he'd be extending, he wouldn't uh, act like he was all offended that you were taking his his own time. He enjoyed that. That's why he never left Pittsburgh. He wanted to stay here and embrace that. Uh, as Mike Tomlin powerfully worded it, I thought yesterday after the Steelers practice, uh, he embraced every part of what it meant to be Franco. That's quite the Tomlin type of line, isn't it? I witnessed a lot of that myself. There's someone who recently uh, lost uh, my mom and dad in a fairly tight time pattern. I recall that when they passed, what I wanted to do more than anything else in relaying who they were was to get to the essence of who they were. I'm going to use this term again, the foundation of who they were. My dad was an elite accordionist, elite Cleveland-style polka accordionist, arguably one of the best in the world. And every person who came into his funeral, I wanted to let them know that. The same goes for my mom and her heritage in having conducted a popular Serbian radio program here in Western Pennsylvania that was listened to by a ton of people. She became an icon to a lot of people, and I wanted to remind everybody of that. Mr. Harris was a truly great, truly generational football player. And I'm going to state this again. Yeah, there were running backs even in his time who were faster, flashier, got way more yards and everything else here, but you don't get four rings, four of them, and be that team's engine and catalyst without being some kind of cut above. Franco Harris, great, great football player. Rest in peace. In lieu of the standard J1Q segment, 
I'd like to read some of the correspondence that was sent my way over the last 24 hours. Regarding Mr. Harris and his passing, Laura writes, It's been a terribly sad, melancholy day. I was about nine years old during those steel curtain days and having only one TV in a household with five kids. Most Pittsburgh girls grew up watching football with our dads, our grandfathers, and our brothers on Sundays. Remember, the majority of shops were all closed on Sundays back then. It was set aside for quiet family time, simple dinners, and watching football together. Number 32 to me was always my hero. Back then, when I was a nine-year-old girl from an average family on an average Sunday, watching greatness unfold every weekend, as that decade would end up making history in the NFL books. I loved the Terry Bradshaw and Franco combo. I loved the Steelers' polka song. I loved Franco's army. There will never be another one like him. Pete says, our family was gathered around the radio for that immaculate reception game. We lived in a coal mining town about a dozen miles west of Johnstown, a little place called Beaverdale. And the broadcast was blacked out on TV. It was Myron Cope who described the play for us as we waited for the official's decision and hearing that it was a touchdown. I couldn't wait for the news to come on to see what had actually transpired on the field. The news on this morning left me in shock for most of the day. God's peace, Franco. Devin writes, When I was a little girl, my pops took me to a game at Three River Stadium. There was a Toys for Tots event. We, we brought a football as a toy. Franco was there collecting those toys and meeting fans, but he asked me, You want to throw me the ball? I got to complete a pass to Franco. It made my born Steelers fan self an even bigger fan. Franco, R.I.P. Let's meet again tomorrow.